Hello and welcome to the Leading the Line podcast. Chris here, I hope you are keeping well and staying safe. And we are back to review a glorious start to the Pedro Martinez Lothar era and some SWPL action. And to do that, I'm of course joined by Mary Hill's Most Wanted, Campbell Phyllis. And Campbell, how are you doing? I'm good. Um, cast off my arm so I can move it, not fully straighten it yet, but it's better than nothing. Um, and it's been a good weekend, so I, I'm in a good mood for a change, I'm sure. Steve Penman will be happy to know that. Um, <laughs> so I hope he's keeping well as well. Yeah, I did, I did like that comment that your misery brings joy to others. Um, but I'm glad you're in a good mood, buddy. I'm glad you're in a good mood. And we've got a good reason to be in a good mood because Scotland started a World Cup qualifying campaign on Friday night, away to Hungary in Budapest. And we won Gamble, 2-0 victory, goal from Evan Cuthbert and Martha Thomas. First of all, before we go into a couple of things about the game itself, most important thing is we got a three points, we're off to a winning start to the campaign um, after what was a difficult end to the last one. Yeah, it was a difficult end to the last one and, and you look at the fixtures for this one as we were saying to you actually before the game, um, our first three are double-headed with Hungary in the game with the Pharaohs where you've got to be looking to take nine points and we've started that off in the right way with a good win um, on Friday night. Maybe not the best of performances, but like you said, it's three points on the board and it's the best way to get to get things back going again after obviously the disappointing end to, to the last campaign and then we got the players missing as well. So I'm sure Pedro will be happy with that. The players will be happy with it and then back to Glasgow obviously for the game on tomorrow night. Yeah, back to Glasgow indeed. Let's talk about the, the game in Hungary a little bit first of all though before we have a little chat about the Fairway Islands and how many will score. Um, in terms of the, the game against Hungary, I think it's fair to say that the, the first half had a little bit of the hangover feel of what had been happened in the previous year. We obviously know about the players that were missing. Kim Little was out. We had four players out injured, including Caroline Weir and Lucy Graham and just Lisa Evans. And like key players were out, uh, out of the squad at that point. Um, and yeah, the first half was challenging. I think it was challenging. Hungary were up for it. They, they were quite quite happy to get in the front foot. And I think you could. it kind of felt like that maybe we were missing some of the players that we would often rely on in these kind of games. Yeah, we didn't have much in midfield. I mean, it was kind of an attacking lineup Scotland had, but obviously a lot of the players that are they're missing, like you mentioned, that kind of that was just going from back to front where when not nothing really taking the link the link of play and then gets into areas that we were going to go and score and obviously we got a goal from from the penalty. It was I mean, Hungary made it difficult to be fair and they did try and get forward themselves, but it was, it was a pretty boring half of football, if I'm going to be honest, I think. And then Scotland obviously got the lead and it was fairly early on. It was kind of what you were looking for, but it never really looked like being out of control, but at the same time, never looked like we were really going, going to go and give them a, a big defeat. So, I mean, um, it could have been better, but I think, as you say, with the players missing, it was kind of tough just to link that play together. But at the end of the day, it's the three points and that was all we could really ask for. Yeah, I mean, the first half, we I thought we started quite brightly, but then kind of let Hungary come into a little bit. I think Erin Cuthbert was the standout player in the first half for us. She had a couple of nice runs into the box. She was the one, obviously, won the penalty as well after getting on the end of a generous flick on. Not the best penalty in the world, let's be honest, but she dusted herself down and obviously managed to pop in the rebound. But I think after that goal, I think everybody watching with a Scotland, Scotland squint on would have liked us to kind of push on a little bit and get further, but we can never, we never really got control in the middle of the park. I don't think it felt like we were most relying and kind of getting uh, Nick Doherty and, and Rachel McLaughlin further up the park. Two very good uh, fullbacks are going forward uh, and try to get them to kind of push on a little bit up the sides, but we never really got control at half time. It was, 
it was all right. But I think to to be fair, Campbell, the second half we were we were much better, and and that was maybe even before the substitutions, which I think sort of step up again. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know what Pedro said at half-time, but the Masley would have wanted a bit of a step-up in intensity, maybe where we were kind of obviously ahead, like you'd said, but never looked, looked really scoring too many more. So, I mean, it was, there was certainly a step-up in quality there. And, I mean, you mentioned some of the substitutes, Martha Thomas in particular, um, certainly made a big difference. And obviously, we eventually got that second goal, and for there it was just going to be a case of, right, we've got the three points now, let's just play it out. And it, it felt like a training game at times, but I think Scotland knew themselves, even where the players missing, they should be and were too strong for Hungary. So they were kind of just going to go through the motions a wee bit. But again, as you're going into a campaign like that, you don't really know what to expect a lot of the time. So he started with the win was what they'd been after. And there was certainly an improvement there that second half. Like you say, there were signs that we were we had different things that could be worked on and, and we'll maybe get the chance to see more of that um, in the coming games as well. Yeah, you, you referenced Martha Thomas. Obviously, her and Lana Quaylen came on in, in the second half. I think they both had a, a positive impact in terms of our, our impetus going forward. Um, uh, Alana had a, a couple of chances. She probably disappointed she didn't put at least one of them away. Um, Martha did obviously get her goal. I thought it was a really a really, really intelligent half step to kind of get that space to then to steer the header into the corner. And then she um, had some some lovely touches in and around the area. I think obviously playing Martha, um, playing Martha, playing Lana through for, for one of her chances. And also the cross ball for Claire Emsley, who don't know how she's missed it, but as I was saying somebody else recently, it doesn't matter, we still won. But I think it's interesting that Martha Thomas is, I find, an interesting player to talk about because she scored five goals in nine games. It feels like she's maybe had a couple of games where she's maybe had chances and hasn't taken them. But at the same time, she's also had games where she's had chances taking them in. I think the game on, on Friday night is another example of what she can bring to the team in terms of not necessarily just try to get the ball in the net, but her work in and around the area as well. Yeah, I mean, she's a different option to what we've got. Obviously, you know, talk about Erin Cuthbert has been the main player on Friday night who's kind of running around everywhere, having to come deep to get the ball at times and then being that real live wire causing the defence problem uh, going forward. With Martha Thomas is a bit more physical and can kind of hold the ball up that bit well as well. But she was occupying defenders like Erin Cuthbert, but in a different way of doing it. And it worked out well. So we were getting that bit more space for the likes of Claire Emsley in the second half. And like I say, it's, it's a poor miss from her, but... It was just a different way of occupying defenders, and I think it's something that has been talked about. Maybe Mara Thomas could start in certain other games, but I think the way it went on Friday night, as you get with players, sometimes I think she may be better coming off the bench in that case. So it'll be interesting to see if she starts um, on Tuesday night. But like I say, she's certainly a good option to have coming off the bench if that's that's something that we want to go with. Yeah, I mean, let's let's talk about Tuesday night. So Tuesday night, Scotland against Vera Wales at Hamden. Scotland's coming home. That sounded a bit English, but you know what I mean. Scotland are, are uh, Scotland's national team are going to make Camden their home now for for this foreseeable future, hopefully for as long as it as long as it's needed. Um, and I think it's in terms of softball starts to life at Hamden. I think Faroe Islands, with the greatest respect, is probably as good as it could get, Campbell. Yeah, I mean it's also the lowest ranked side in the group there, and kind of it's a game you should be winning. I know we've we've said we've had trouble with the games you should win before, but. Um, Firos are certainly the minnows of the group, and it's it's a nice one for Pedro. That I think it could have been Hungary and and um, Faroe Islands to start off the group for the first three games. Actually, was a good way to can ease yourself into it. Um, and it then means that hopefully you get into the games against the likes of Spain and um, Ukraine, even as well, where we're hopefully nine points behind you as well. So um, ah, it's it's one we're hopefully get a good crowd in. It'll be strange playing at Hamden again. Um, we women side that for the first time in a few years for competitive games, but. Looking forward to it. Hopefully we can make it two wins out of two to start off the group. 
Yeah, absolutely. So Faroes, they started their group campaign the day before, Scotland, um, at home to Spain. Uh, they lost 10-0. Um, and if, I, if I'm being honest, I, I watched that game in full. Good chance for me to practice my Spanish today because Spanish FA had it on. So um, I watched the game in full. And uh, yeah, I mean, the opening 20 minutes, it could have been 10 after 20. And then it was kind of bursts of goals, which happens quite a lot in women's football for, for Spain. I, and I don't think the Pharaohs had any expectation of getting a result against Spain. I don't think they come to Hamden on Tuesday night with any expectation of getting a result. But they are going to be there to get beat. And I think... The best thing that can happen for Scotland on on Tuesday night, and I'm keen to get your opinion on this as well, actually, is now that that Hungary game's done and it feels like maybe a little bit of weight is lifted, given, obviously, what we talked about earlier, do you think this is an opportunity for us to kind of go out and really show what we can do underneath this this new year? Given given the caveat that it's still only a second game in charge. It is, but um, I think every time I look at games like that, they end up then being a lot closer than you think. Again, when the fears, like you see, are not really coming with any, with any anticipation of getting anything for the game, so they are going to be sitting there with 10 players behind the ball, and it's going to make it tough for Scotland to try and break through. It always is, but as you've seen, obviously, it can be done. We'll have a lot of the ball, and we're expecting Tuesday night. And it's again, in these sort of games, you're always looking for that early goal just to kind of settle the nerves, because the longer it goes at nil-nil, the more you kind of get that wee bit of worry of maybe we're not going to score here, but um, it's a game we should win. It's a, it's a chance, obviously, for, for Pedro to try some new things. I know he's got players missing, but some of the players have mentioned already, like Martha Thomas coming off the bench, perhaps a good chance for them to get a start. And it'll be interesting to see if he sticks with the same kind of formation as the other night, whether he changes any tactics or whatever, but it's, it's a good chance, as they say, to, to get off to a winning start and for Pedro to show what he can do in his first game on Scottish soil as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it won't surprise anybody to know that against Spain, the Faroe Islands played, very, I mean, they actually played a lot deeper than I even thought they would play um, with a bank of four, bank of five, and like a lone striker who most of the time was part of the bank of five to make it a bank of six. But when they did, the rare occasions they got probably they had a chance just before half time, they did break in, break in pairs. So, I mean, I think they'll go for it if they get an opportunity, but we should really be looking to to kind of break them down and get a, get a few goals on the board and I suppose that comes back to what we were talking about with the, the midfield against Hungary and whether do we see a couple of changes in there? I thought, I know that I talk about Rachel Boyle as one of the players I really like watching, but I actually thought her coming into the midfield against Hungary made sense. Um, I think as well, she's just that different type of player to, to Lisa Robertson and Christy Grimshaw. And Christy maybe not playing in her natural realm on, on the park. It'll be interesting to see what what kind of players come in. We also had the likes of Lauren Davidson making her Scotland debut, Jenna Clark's in the squad. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see how he uses it, but my instinct is this is a chance, not just for, for Pedro, but for the national team to really make a mark on Tuesday night. Hopefully that's how they see it as well. I mean, they're going to want to go out there and think um, that goals are going to be important for them. I think Spain are clearly still going to be the favourites for um, for top in that group. But the playoff spot is certainly one that Scotland should be looking to get. And if in the end it can down to goal difference and things, again, these are the sort of games you'll look to go and to add that to. So um, in midfield, we, we did miss players. I think you just say Christy Grimshaw is one who I'd like to see a bit further forward. I and mean, we've seen a couple of games she's played in Italy and I think it worked a bit better again when she's in a more advanced role than she was. Um, on Friday night there, but Rachel Boy was one when she came on. I thought I'm a bit surprised maybe I hadn't started. Um, I think it would work well alongside Lisa Robertson um, as well there. So hopefully we get a midfield and it's a bit more settled to then allow these more creative players to try and move around and, and find the gaps in what's going to be a, a rigid um, Faroes defence. But it's a good chance for Scotland to go and get a, a few goals on the board, hopefully, and we'll see what happens um, this time tomorrow. 
Yeah, and um, let's talk about the fact that Scotland are coming home, uh, playing at Hamden. This is home as uh, the Scottish FA marketing role. I tell you, and I'm quite ha- I'm quite on board with that. It's um, been a long time coming. What What's your thoughts on it? Because I know there are people that are maybe not totally sold on the idea of, of Hamden, uh, Hamden being the home for women's national team for a couple of reasons. I am for it, which we'll talk about in a wee second, but I'm keen to get your, your thoughts on it first of all, Campbell. Um, I mean, I don't like the stadium itself. I think unless you've got it properly packed out, you're not really getting much of an atmosphere at all. We've seen that um, at all levels when it's been used. But at the same time, as you say, it's, it's the home of Scottish football. And I think it's better to have that kind of, to have that set place to go and watch games. I mean, we've seen Scotland, obviously, when it was when they played their games in Paisley, it was good. That Again, it's a really small and closed stadium that could get a good crowd and it made a decent noise. But the players are going to want to play at the bigger stadiums. We've seen decent crowds when they've played at Tynecastle and Easter Road as well before. But again, even in those stadiums, they were, it was still kind of still a bit hollow, a bit empty. So why not use Hamden? I mean, it's it's a bigger one. Players are, are more, more excited to go and play on a bigger stage again, even if there is a slightly smaller crowd. Then... Um, We've seen the appetite down south for it in WSL. We've seen it here when Scottish Cup uh, finals have been played at bigger grounds. Um, and then obviously the national side playing Jamaica as well before the World Cup. I don't expect the crowd that big again uh, tomorrow night. But hopefully we get a good few thousand in there and we can just see, um, and they can see hopefully a good side as well um, that's going to go off to a winning start once once again. And um, hopefully that way it will maybe entice more folk to come out when, when Hungary come calling next month. Yeah, I mean... As I alluded to at the start, I'm I'm for this move. I think it took me not necessarily able to come round to it, but I be able to form a a counterpoint to somebody who's not uh, for it. And I think it kind of comes round to this is an opportunity for growth for women's football. I I know just from looking at social media timelines, there are people going to this game because it's at Hamden that maybe wouldn't have gone if the game had been at Tynecastle or whatever St. Bernard are calling their ground these days, or Easter Road, or, you know, McDermott Park, like, these are grounds that Scotland have called home in the past. And uh, I think that's a big, big draw for everybody. Um, when when you look at kind of getting tickets for it, it's getting done in such a way, it's getting blocked out so we can track growth of the support. If we sell another block, that's progress. If we don't sell another block, why is that the case? I think the, uh, the pricing's pretty good. Like, I actually think it's more expensive than previous Scotland games, but I don't think that's a bad thing. Paying a £10 to see Scotland at Hamden is not a lot of money still in, in today's in today's currency. And the fact that the the people that are invested in Scotland, the supporter club members, get a ticket for free as well if they want to take up that option, I think it's only a good thing as well. I, I think tomorrow will be a really great occasion. I think you're right. The, the, the crowd will be a few thousand. That, I, I couldn't guess if I'm being totally honest. I think with it being Pharaohs, um, I think that maybe has a little bit of a lower effect on the crowd, but I think also it's the first time at Hamden as, as the official home. Let's remember Scotland have played there twice before, Jamaica in 2013 against Spain in the playoffs. I think that is a big draw for everybody as well. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm up for it. I'm good. I'd, I'd, I'd like to see it. Uh, I, I mean, a women's football crowd is very different, Campbell. We both know this. Uh, so it's a little bit of a different experience to, to go into like Hamden for a men's game or going to a, a Premiership game or an SPFL game uh, on, a, on a Saturday. But I'm, I'm pretty confident that it's going to be an opportunity to kind of really galvanise a, a lot of the support. And players have come out and all said that they're absolutely buzzing for it, not just Scottish players, but also 
players of other countries like the Faroe Islands. Um, I spoke to the Faroese captain, Alistair Janasson. Um, Campbell's not happy with that link. I thought it was pretty good. Faroese uh, <laughs> uh, captain, Alistair Janasson, um, just to kind of get a bit more information about the, the Faroe Islands national team and just to kind of how football is in, the, in New Zealand and also what it's like to come and play at Hamden. She was, she was pretty stoked about it. She kind of said she was looking forward to it, kind of unprompted, which in itself I think is a, is a pretty cool thing. So yeah, let's let's get down to the brass tacks. Scotland against Faroe Islands, seven thirty-five kickoff um, at Hamden. Adult tickets are a tenner. Concessions are available as well for a fiver. Scotland supporters club members get in free. And if for whatever reason you can't get to Hamden, it is also live on BBC Alba. So yeah, um, support the women's national team. We're going to go places. Hopefully down under in twenty twenty-three. But let's move on from the national team because we did have a truncated uh, SWPL card this weekend, and I mean I think. Let's talk about that a little bit first, actually. Seemed a bit mad to schedule a full card when international co-ops were going to result in a number of the games getting called off this last weekend. Mm, um, I know a few games obviously had been moved, especially SWPO1, where you knew it was coming and there wasn't going to be games on. It's hard enough. And SWPO2 at the minute, and also two of the games did go ahead there with just the one having to be called off there but I mean if you know games are coming I don't think scheduling them at that time is the best way to do it it's going to mean a lot of midweek games which is fine if everyone's on at the same time but like you say when it's games from the video range and things like it's not great but we had four games to go to and four entertaining games as well by the sounds of it for from what I've seen the games have been doing things as well so it was, it was a good enough weekend could have been better obviously with more games but it's just going to happen over the course of the season I think yeah I mean I've not future check to see when the next Scotland camp is and whether that there's game scheduled then as well but I think it's hopefully it's a point of realisation that maybe if we've got the international fixtures and we've talked about a lot the fact that more international players are coming to the SWPL and they will get called up for squads and they will go away to camps that maybe it's something just just to consider going forward but you're right there were four games and yeah it sounds I mean I saw 20 minutes of one uh, and then I was doing some SWF championship stuff because that's what some things do because there's an ocean. Um, and I know you were uh, at, up at the Care Park as well for them. Yeah, game, but let's start on SWPL1 and let's start at the game that I saw 20 minutes of, which was Partick Thistle against Motherwell. Partick Thistle getting their first ever SWPL1 victory, uh, a 3-2 win over Motherwell. And I mean, the 20 minutes I saw were really entertaining. And when I've seen the highlights back that Partick Thistle got up before midnight last night, love, loving the work as always, it looked like it was a really entertaining game as a whole. It did, and it's one of these ones, obviously, we've, we've seen Thistle and Motherwell in the first few weeks, we've been playing teams up above them in the league that I'd expected to beat them. Um, I'm going to be hard games now, they're playing teams in and around them, and it turned out to be really competitive, as we expected, um, as both games in the league this, uh, this weekend were, but Thistle obviously taking the lead and then having to come back again, it was a right job to turvy game, some good goals in it as well, and it's the best way for them to kind of get into that, get their first um, first win at that level at just a second a second game there as well. So a good weekend for Patrick Thistle. Um, Motherwell obviously a bit closer than what they have been in certain other games where they've still got a few injury worries, but a very entertaining game from, from what you've told me and the highlights that I saw myself as well. So it looked a good one um, up at Peters Hill with a decent crowd in as well, I think. Yeah, I mean, I was quite, um, not taken aback, but I was quite pleased to see like the, the numbers that were at, at Peters Hill Park. I know there was a, a few players kicking about who weren't away and international duty and things like that as well, which is often the case when you go to a women's game and during a, a national break. But yeah, I still thought it was a, a very decent crowd. Uh, Jay Greenshields getting the opening goal. Her and Bex McGowan officially signed now for Partick Thistle after playing this trialist uh, last week. Really good finish, I thought, uh, 10 minutes in. 
But Malio came back into it, Laurie Gardner uh, getting an equaliser a few minutes later, and then Kayla McGillodengua getting a, a, a first goal of the season for her to put Motherwell 2 1 up at half time. But um, yeah, credit to Partick Thistle. They, they came back into it, Karen McBeerty getting a goal, and then I really, I, I, one of the things I underestimated with the, the winner for Partick Thistle scored by Fiona McDonald. I think she showed great composure to kind of take it down, and get a pass defender, and then and put it past Kim Ramsey. That was a cross-field ball by Rosie Slater, which I was standing right beside at the time. Uh, totally didn't register, and then I was watching the highlights back, and I went, that's a, that's a, that is the kind of ball that deserves to have a goal at the end of it. It does. It was a great ball through, and some good goals in the game in general, really. It's, it's, obviously, you talk about the, the delivery itself, but, I mean, you've also, also already mentioned the way she brought it down. I mean, she's um, she's done, I think it was Jill Angles at the back, and she's done it pretty well, but the finish is really, really good. Um, the BBC angle showed it a bit differently to how it looked, but from, from the way I saw it on Thistle's highlights, it just done very, very well to get that back across the goalkeeper. With, but Thistle's first one's another one. I mean, it's a foul of London Pollard. I know the mother with the fence sort of stop, but again, Jade Greenshield strike, very, very accurate, great finish in the corner. And then you talk about accuracy, the two from Motherwell as well, both are right in, literally right into the, the woodwork up at the top corner of the goal. Um and Karen McBrady, another one, good composure around the defender, and then again, it's like the ball right in the corner. So five very, very good goals in this game. An entertaining one, and one that obviously I would have, I would have seen if I was I was down here um, at the time, but it's a good win for Thistle. Um, and you say that, that bit of quality that you've seen for the ball was good, that you've seen that um, that step up in, in quality as well from Thistle, and their move up to, um, up to SWPL1. Yeah, no, absolutely. And it was, it was like one of these competitive games, I think we've talked about, that we're going to get this season, that maybe was lacking in recent seasons. Um, I want to give a wee nod to kind of London Pollard as well. I think we talk about our kind of infrequently on the pod. Well, enough on the pod. But um, I thought she was really good on Sunday the 20th on again from the highlights. And I, for me, it feels like part of this could be a really good fit for her development, especially having Brian Graham as somebody who is a striker who has scored goals pretty much all the way through his career um, and has that same kind of style and physique in terms of like how they how they look in the, on a football park. I, I think it'll be really interesting to see how her and Claire Dockett, who came back off the bench after being out through injury, uh, partner up for part of this. So for Motherwell, that was obviously three defeats in the bounce. Again, again it's another it's a close defeat for them. They obviously had a, a, a tough start for the first two games, but I suppose these are the kind of games where they, they would be looking for it. I got the impression just at full time that Paul Brownlow was a a little bit disappointed that they didn't get something out the back of it because they were certainly pushing as equally as part of this one in those closing stages. Yeah, I mean, especially when you're two one up to then go and lose the game again, the game for a winning position will disappoint them. Um, and they've got that experienced core that we've talked about. They've got some good players in there as well. But again, I think having some missing um, won't help them midfield. The Titans, obviously, they've got that real experience there. But she's got a lot of younger players around her who are kind of bullied off the ball. But I mean, Thistle's midfield is a really strong one. Um, Obviously, Amy Anderson being out, who's a player that we know can play really well in the middle of the park, she's been a miss for them. They'll be annoyed that they've lost the game, of course, but I don't think worry themselves too much. There's, these sides are all going to beat each other over the course of the season, so Mother will just need to focus on doing that when it comes to it the next time. Um, it's not been an easy start of the season for them, but I don't think they'll worry themselves just yet, although it will be, it'll be a long campaign, but I think it'll be the same for most of these sides around the bottom. Um, and Thistle, that's why Thistle will be especially delighted to, to get the win um, at the first game against one of these sides around them, which I think Aberdeen, even yet, might be that just a slight step above them. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I tell you what, there's a nice transition, Campbell. You didn't realise you did it. Let's talk about the second game in SWPL win on Sunday. I was Aberdeen at home to Hamilton Ackies. Looks like it was another good crowd up at the Balmoral. And it looks like it was another tight contest between the two. They've, they've had some pretty tight contests in SWPL too last season. And that continued. Uh, early goal from Louise Brown, really well taken, I thought. But it seemed like the game was pretty ding-dong from there on in. It did, yeah. I mean, it looked a good one from the highlights. Um the last three games between them have all been won by one goal. Obviously, Aberdeen and Hamilton already got the win when they were up at Cormac Park towards the end of last season, which kind of helped them get that place in, SWPL1. But Aberdeen were a couple of new additions have, have certainly improved again. And also Louise Brown was one of them. And it's a very good finish from her to, to put the ball into the far corner. And Aberdeen had more chances themselves. But again, so did Hamilton later on. And it was one of these ones you'd expect it to be tight. And it's good, certainly, that both games we've talked about have been close. Um, in previous years, you've seen teams, obviously, winning games heavier. Of course, it's still be the case when you're playing City, Celtic, Rangers, and things like that. But it was a competitive game, and one that obviously could have went either way. Hamilton had a late claim for a penalty. I don't think it was, personally. And obviously, the red card as well late on. But again, it's good that there's there's that competitive spirit in these games. And Aberdeen will be glad that they've, they've got another win in their first one um, at home as well, having, having run Celtic close the last time. But... Again, it's a game that looked quite entertaining and one that would have been good to be up to, to go and watch. Yeah, absolutely. I actually um, bought the, the programme for this game because you could buy it and get it posted out. And I thought it was a pretty good programme. And I actually think the programmes in SWPL are really important because they give you some good insight that you don't get because it's obviously not covered as much um, in a broader sense. Um, and I think it was two or three interviews in there. And uh, the part of this is what I read before the game's over for you, McDonald with the interview as well. So, yeah, I thought it was really good. And it does feel like there's a lot of positive momentum in that part of the world behind the women's team just now. And, uh, yeah, I want to talk about Louise Brown as well, because Louise is obviously coming from Bucking, which is a, a team in the championship. And it's good to see that players can kind of make that jump. And she's looked, she hasn't looked out of place in that Aberdeen side at all, but I've seen her both live and obviously from the highlights on, on Sunday. No, she has. I mean, it was one that kind of came out of nowhere. We hadn't really heard much about it until she was suddenly in the squad, as you get a lot of the time, obviously, in SWPL. But she fitted in really well. Looks quite an integral part of, um, of Aberdeen's play from, from the highlights that we've watched, obviously. And just say earlier on, she took her goal very, very well. It's a great finish in the far corner. Um, and it's good that, there that you're, again, you're getting players who are coming up from a different level there. It is clearly a big step up, but she's clearly fit into the team very well there. And, could be um could be quite integral for Aberdeen, especially given the fact that they've they've now got more options than they've had previously. And they had a strong bench again. They're able to make some changes from previous games. Will also still be a very strong side to watch. So I think Louise will fit in well and should be a decent part of their side this season. And, and Aberdeen, I think, will be a good team to watch. And they hope to be challenging Spartans for that sort of the mid table into the top half sort of place. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I think for for Aki's, it's probably is that. That kind of passed it to us in Motherwell, looking to see if they can push on further up the table. But it's, it won't be a result they'll be disheartened with. And I think the thing for them is outside of the Rangers game, where Rangers clearly decided that it was a new season and they were going to make a, a point. <laughs> They've been competitive in both their games, obviously winning one away at Hearts and obviously a narrow defeat to Aberdeen. There's, there's plenty of competition at that bottom end of the table. Yeah, there's a lot of it. I mean, we've already touched on how competitive these two were in SWPL2 last season. They've both stepped up with fairly similar scores, and I think we're, we're always going to be close matched again. Um, and we'll be with these teams at the bottom. Hackies, on another day, could have got themselves at least a draw out of that game. So they'll be disappointed to lose it, but at the end of the day, they won't be, they won't be too disheartened with the performance. And 
I'm sure we'll see Hamilton getting back to winning ways um, in the coming weeks as well when they're when they're playing some of the sides around them. Although got a tough game obviously against Glasgow City on Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. And in terms of the games on Sunday, so part of this and Motherwell actually played this Sunday, so they're not playing this coming Sunday. Um, but the games that are remaining are Hearts are home to Rangers, Spartans are playing Aberdeen, Celtic against Hibs, uh, which I think is a BBC game, and Hampton Ackers against Glasgow City, which I think might be the Alba game. They've not been told yet. We're doing this on a Monday night to get it in before the Scotland game, so we haven't had it confirmed yet. But um, looking at kickoff times, that what makes sense. But we'll see what happens. Um, but let's move from SWPL one and let's go to SWPL two. Just the two fixtures uh, played on Sunday: uh, Birmingham against Glasgow Women moved to a later date. And you were up in Dundee having having fun uh, as you as you were so decided to do. But after you'd had your fun, you went to Care Park and you had some more fun as you went to go see Dundee United take on. <laughs> as you went to go see Dundee United take on Queen's Park. Um, do you want to tell me about it? Because I haven't seen anything of this one yet. So it's the, the floor is yours, Campbell. Yeah, um Ben McDonald was with me. This pair of his left hand eyes get stuck in a lot of traffic, realised we're gonna miss kickoff at Care Park. Realised the game still hadn't kicked off. Spoke to Lee at Dundee United to find out there'd been a delay. Um, and then we turned up at three o'clock and the game still hadn't kicked off because the referee had decided that United's black socks with, with quite a bit of tangerine on them and Queen socks, also black with a bit of white, clashed and they could just play on. Both managers were happy to do so. The referee wasn't. Um, so United had to send Lauren Perry up to Tanner Rice to go and get socks because she works there even though there's just been 13,500, whatever it was at Tanny Dice, people there, so it's going to be busy. Referee didn't really care. Um, so she then came back, but Macron aren't the greatest at sending things, so United didn't have home socks to wear, so instead wore purple. Lovely SWPL football, as you expect. Um, so the game events kicked off 25 minutes late, and then less than 10 minutes later, United were ahead. As they keep doing this season, they're scoring a lot of early goals. Um, I mean, there was a lot of talk from in between the, before the game with the players they had missing, but it didn't really make much difference. Rachel Todd was one of the more experienced ones still there, and it's just a very good finish from her. Actually, put United one nil up. Um, Rebecca Foot kind of cutting it back to her from the left, and it's a very good volley. Rachel Cadell be a bit disappointed this went through her, but it was, it was a good goal for United to put them ahead. And Queens were they were still very competitive in the first half. They had a chance themselves before it um, from Ari Fife, and then Kinga Karonkovic hit the bar with a free kick, but. United then got their second goal in 20 minutes and you talk about um, Rogers Slater's ball through for Patrick Thistle this one I was right behind it as Aaron Ross hit it as well and again the minute she had it I was just like I think that's a great ball um, United worked it well from ZJ Meach and goal to Aaron Katanach and Aaron Ross and then she's kind of slipped as she's played this ball but it worked to just angle it slightly and bind the defence and again Rachel Todd on it and a very good finish and United 2 nothing up at half time were really can end control and then the start of the second half, they never really came back out kind of in the same vein of form. And in Queens, to their credit, were the better team for most of that second half. Really took the game to United them. They got themselves a good goal as well. Um, Manny Fife putting it back to Cara Anderson. It's a decent finish past AJ at our front post. And at that point, Queens were the team on top, but they weren't quite creating enough chances. And, and that was their main problem. I mean, they had a few injuries, but um, Demi Potts in particular was a real standout for them, trying to get forward and had a, kind of, a couple of half chances. And they probably should have equalised about five minutes before the end um, when the ball could have felt loser boys on the edge of the area and she's just, just kind of hit it over the bar. But um, straight after that, United down the other end and, and Alex Robson's went into to round Rachel. Was a, um, a very good, very good um, bit of skill with ground the keeper with Rachel Todd's assist as well. So two goals and assists for Rachel, who was quite clearly United standout there. But 
very composed finish from Alex Robson as well. A 3-1-1 for United too. They'll be pleased with it. It's a professional performance, um, obviously with their two top scorers kind of missing as well, as well as Tammy Harkin and Jade McLaren still suspended. Um, but it was a good win for them. But again, Queens I was impressed with, having having seen them last season, they were they were in a bad place with, with players leaving and having to bring through um, through a lot of the younger players. But they've they've got a good squad there. I know they had a few missing, but they were impressive in large spells as well. And, for bits of that second half, it looked like they could come in and get something off United. So we'll be we'll be disappointed to lose the game, but um, there's a lot of positives from them and United. And it was it was an enjoyable game. Neither side was at their best, but there was some good football played, and it was one that I'm sure the folk stood outside um, the Care Park cage would have liked uh, would have enjoyed watching. Yeah, well, we'll maybe come to that afterwards. But before we talk about that, <laughs> um, you spoke after the game to head coach Graham Hart and defender Cassie Cowper, and this is what they had to say. Um, a lot of first-team players missing this afternoon, Graham, but uh, three points, obviously. Is that a sign of the favourites tag from United today? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, it's one of the things that players missing at Hampstead every squad, so we don't like to come out and shout about who's missing and whatever. We hear it from other teams and whatever, but... We just crack on with our business and, and go and try and win every game. Obviously, there you've said United scored a lot of early goals this season, and again, that was something that happened today with the opener after seven minutes. Is that something you look to do, or is it just kind of just the way the girls come out at the start of the game? <laughs> it's, it's funny because uh, we got asked the same question last week, and it's it's something that obviously we do try and start games fast and we try, try and make the warm up quick and intense. But today was slightly different with the way to lay off kick off and stuff. So to, for the girls to then come out and go and and score another early goal it's full credit to them and it shows that they've got the right mindset going into the games Obviously you mentioned some of the players that are missing there Rachel Todd today with two goals and an assist is that good that you've got one of the more experienced players standing up in, in times of need? Yeah I mean we've got we've got great strength and depth and, and Rachel did stand up and score two goals today and, and, and create another one but at the same time it, it, was a, it was a really good solid team performance so as much as Rachel stood up there's girls there that have come in that maybe haven't played as much minutes this season and they've come in and they've done really well uh, themselves as well so brilliant for Rachel obviously to get the goals that she maybe scored last year and, and hasn't scored as many to, to begin with this season but on the whole I think everyone that's come in today has done really well Queen's Park can back it though well in the second half and for, for large spells that look like they can maybe get an equaliser so you're just pleased to kind of, work, kind of run through that storm in the end Yeah game management is something we've been speaking about a lot because in this league as everyone's aware that you're going up against good teams week in week out and teams will have spells and games that they're going to be in top and most important thing for us is, is see the games out uh, they spells out and in the games and in the past we've maybe lost one goal and then it's went two very quickly so it's important that we just regroup after we do lose a goal because that will happen and that's something we've kind of been really emphasising is manage a game and sort of we dictate the tempo you made obviously a few young substitutes this afternoon and then um, Alex Robson getting the goal at the end there is that pleasing from a manager's point of view that the youngsters are coming through and, and showing what they can do as well yeah absolutely uh, uh, obviously Alex, Georgie and, and young Clara came on for a competitive debut today as well which which is great for them and I said that to them at the end it's absolutely brilliant that they've come on and they've managed to sort of go and, go and get the, the win in the end and, and help us through that sticky spell that we had and it's one that the girls are hard on the youngsters, but because they know they're capable, as you see from Alex today, George has come on done really well. So it's one of those ones that we know they're capable of it and we don't mind flinging them in at 2-1. We could have very easily made no changes, but we know these girls are capable, so flinging them on is no problem and it's just a case of them going and doing what, they, what they're capable of. I feel like you kick off today with a slight kick clash with the purple socks looking a bit daft. Um, are we going to see a return to Tangerine? Uh, hopefully, hopefully. I mean, 
don't really know what, what happened there or what went on, but the ref certainly wasn't happy <laughs> with either team. So, uh, yeah, hopefully Tangerine next week. Yeah, not an easy game, Cassie, but three points. Happy with that? Yeah, yeah. We're missing a good few players, a few starters, so it's good to get three points. That's all that really matters. Um, it was a bit of a scrappy game near the end, but I think we deserved the three points in the end. Doing all up at half time, and it was obviously fairly comfortable. You're a bit disappointed then, in the end, it was a lot closer. Uh, yeah, I think 2 0 is always a difficult scoreline because if they score like they did, it makes it a bit scrappy for us. And if we go on and get the third, then kind of kills the game off. But no, like I said, the three points is all that matters, but we could have played a lot better. Was there ever a spell when, when Queens were back at 2 1 that you kind of thought you were maybe going to drop points there, or was it just a case of the main Yeah, time? yeah, no, definitely. I think uh, Queens Park did really well in the second half and they were pinning us back. But like I'm saying, I think once we got that third goal, the goal that we needed, it kind of levelled the game out and we've seen it out really well. Obviously, Alex here has come off the bench at a young age to, to get that third goal. You pleased with her as well? Yeah, very well. She works hard in training, so it's um, good for her to get her time on the pitch and to finish it with a goal. Gives Hardy something to think about. Uh, three wins out of three so far. Are you pleased with this start to the season? Very. Can't ask for any more. We've scored a lot of goals and not conceded much, but yeah. Any words for Chloe for, for you doing it and showing you the experience one? Get a grip. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, good good result for Dundee United. But I tell you what, you've mentioned it and I think it is something that is worth speaking about. Um, both at the moment, both Dundee United and St Johnson are playing at... Astral cages, I think, is, is is the best way of describing it. And the moment they can't get fans in, and I don't I don't know what the resolution is. I know it is about having the availability to play a pitch, but given how we're not deep into the season, but we're now in the season. Everywhere else, I think Glasgow University with their whatever their arrangement is it, the Excelsior Stadium is maybe an outlier in this. But you would hope, given especially for Dundee United to have started the season so well, we'll be looking to push for the title. Um, you would hope that there'd be a way to, to kind of get fans in uh, into into a game somehow for for these sides. I mean, if, I mean, Denver Park it is quite tight, and with the goals at the side of the pitch, you can see kind of why there's maybe not folk in. Um, United, I know they're willing to to hopefully move to to a ground that can accommodate folk in, in the coming months. But you probably could get folk in, to be honest, um, at the regional performance centre as it is. It's a pitch that got its use for rugby as well that there is a bit bigger too so there's there's space around it and I mean there was some Queen's Park family members and things that come up and were sat outside on, on seats that they brought with them where you know people that come to watch United kind of regularly were out on the other side but there's plenty of space in there I mean myself and Ben had that plenty of room obviously we're speaking to to Ian Ian Cairns as well taking photos along beside us and there would be space I think you probably could get folk in if you had to cap it maybe at a certain number fair enough but I'm sure you'd rather watch a game on the right the right side of the fence rather than behind it. So it's disappointing, of course it is, especially just saying the United with 100% record so far and playing some good football. So it's it's not great. We're always talking about improving the viewing pleasure at um, SWPL games. And I think it would be a good way to do that if they could get folk on the other side of the fence because they're still um, far away from the players and uh, coaches obviously on the far side as well. So it's I get why it's done, but I think there's certainly a way that it could be worked around. Yeah, absolutely. And again, this is us putting our, our fans a football hat on and wanting to... Because the other thing as well is if they can get people into it, they can charge people, they can then make money that can then get invested back into the club. But it, I'm sure, as I said, we both know the reasons for it, but I think it does... Where we are now, I think we're past the stage of the restrictions being a reason for people not being able to come in and watch a game of football. So hopefully that changes in the future. But let's go to the other game that was in SWPL2, and that was Kilmarnock against Stirling University and Kelly have the benefit of playing at Rugby Park so they, they can get fans in, although I would like to be in one of the side stands as opposed to one of the end stands, but I know that, again, 
there'll be restriction reasons for that. Uh, and Kamarnock getting off the mark for the season, 7-0 victory against Dillon University. And yeah, I mean, it seems like it was a pretty comfortable one for Kelly. Yeah, I mean, it was a game they were expected to win. Obviously, beat Stirling Uni um, 3 0 in the in the League Cup, obviously, a few weeks back there. And they've, they've maybe not had the greatest start to the league campaign themselves, uh, Kilmarnock, but it'd be good for them to, to finally get that first win under their belt that they've needed. I mean, they've been a team that we've, we've talked about quite a lot recently where they've, they've not really been taking their chances. Whereas in this time, this time here, obviously, they've went and scored seven goals, there's six different goal scorers there, um, and they probably could have scored more again. So, it's a very good win for Kilmarnock, one that I think has been coming. Um, and they were playing their new strips as well, so all in all, a good day for uh, for Kelly there at Rugby Park. Yeah, and I mean, they've there's definitely been a, a move with the, with Kilmarnock as a wider club. I noticed when I was putting together squad lists that the, the Kilmarnock's women's squad is now updated on the Kilmarnock homepage, and they've had a, had a bit of a refresh at it. I think Kelly was one of the, the, the teams that maybe hadn't had all that information. And I know speaking to a couple of people there that there does seem to be a bit of a renewed push, perhaps, fueled by the fact that the men's team are now on, a, on a, an upward, well, after being relegated last season, they now have a bit more positivity at being at the top end of the table. So, yeah, but a, a good result for Kelly. We obviously talked about it as well, the fact that we view them as potentially one of the teams that will, that will challenge them, the United at the top of the table this season, to get off the marks. A good start for them. It, it's an interesting table at the moment, obviously, Dundee United uh, and Burnham Your Thistle and Glasgow Women, the only teams with a 100% record so far, but... Southern University, it's, it's been a wee bit of a worrying start for them. Um, obviously, two games played, 12 goals conceded. It looked like at the end of the last season, there was kind of some green shoots, pardon the pun, because obviously blue green's are motto, but some green shoots of uh, of maybe this season being a bit more competitive, but it's been a tough start. It has been. I mean, we always talk about kind of trying to get players in and settled and things when they're, they're short and it's still in uni. It's, it's not easy, especially obviously the, the relegation season they had as well, where... Things have always been on that sort of downward spiral since then. Um, I mean, they'll run at that game knowing they're Kelly close at home, but they've met a command like Zaid here who have been an inspired form. Um, Shelly Campbell's delivery for some of the goals and her goal as well was sensational. And she's a player that certainly improved there. And when you're coming up against players like that who, when they're all in form and, and taking their chances, it's, it's not easy. Um, I think Sterling will still pick up points this season when they're playing some of the sides around them. But I mean, you look at the two they've played, they've been against two that we picked out to be the top two so we can judge them a bit more I think when they're playing some of the sides um, elsewhere in the league but you're, you're never going to be happy to lose 7-0 of course you're not but like I say I think they've just come up against a very good Kilmarnock side on their day Well yeah Kelly uh, well obviously we're sitting out next weekend um, St Johnson at home to Queen's Park it's Birmingham Thistle against Southern University and Glasgow Women against Dundee United um, so a potentially interesting interesting one given the two sides that have got 100% records there but yeah that's the fixtures in SWPL too and if you want to get along to them Go to the SWPL website and they'll tell you kickoff times a bit close. I think Glasgow women we know is always at 12 o'clock and we know Kelly's always at four. I think they are all set now. It's just maybe we need to get them clear in my head. But before we wrap it up, I'll, let's talk a little bit about the WF Championship because myself and Campbell have been dabbling in, in the Championship this season. Um, Campbell was obviously away at Rossville, Renfrew last week and I've been to a couple of cup games and I did that again this weekend. Um, I went to see Airdrie take on Air United at Armadale's Volunteer Park. And uh, I was pretty entertained, to be honest with you. Um, A&A won it, ran out 5-0 victories. I'm not going to go through the game because I know, well, for a start, I don't know all the players' names to do that. But um, yeah, it was, it, was a, it was a pretty entertaining game. I mean, A&United were very impressive, but I thought Airdrie's keeper made tons of great saves in the first half and then in the second half, Air kind of got a hold of it. But looking through the, 
the results in the, the rest of the ties from the, the SWF Championship Cup. I mean, I think Falkirk going up to Inverness and winning 4-3 kind of stood out to me as well. And then Montrose, again, double-figure scoreline. It's, uh, I think it's potentially, once we get to kind of the back end of the tournament, I think we could have a, something that would be really interesting for the neutral to kind of watch in that, in that final kind of couple of rounds in the semi-final and final. I mean, there's definitely some really good sides in there and Montrose, obviously you saw yourself a few weeks ago and, and picked them out as being the right strong side and I've been confirming obviously 14-1 there as you mentioned so um, there's some good teams there I mean I watched Renfrew who were good but they were beaten by that air side that you saw yourself on Saturday and Sunday sorry and were clearly impressed by and obviously the, the draw for the quarterfinal on, on Tuesday morning should be an interesting one. St Mirren Livingston was another game that was obviously postponed, but you look at probably Livingston getting through the likes of Rossville, Falkirk, and Throws. There's some really good sides there. Um, and obviously, the hoping that, as you hope, any time there's a, a tournament like that, by the end of it, you want competitive games. And providing these teams are all kept apart, there should be a really competitive end to that um, in that competition. And hopefully, say the final was played at a time that's going to not clash with some of the bigger games, and maybe you can then get a decent crowd along to them as well. So there's plenty to be positive about even below SWPL level. There's some really good sides there who I think would probably fit into that bottom half sort of, of SWPL2 pretty comfortably now. Um, and I think give them a full season, then we should see another competitive two SWPL leagues as well next year. Yeah, and I mean, the other thing to, to bear in mind with the Championship is next season, there's going to be like a Championship National, it's almost like an SWPL3, it's not an SWPL. But the, the top half of the two teams are going to come together. The teams will obviously be promoted as well. Um, and yeah, I think I think that's a good move because I think what some of the results in the Championship Cup and in the league to an extent as well, I saw that there was a pretty heavy victory for Gartcairn against United Glasgow at the weekend. Um, I think that will be a good step in terms of these teams that are clearly pushing to go up. We, you mentioned Rothfield, they've also got a few players on them from Kilmarnock just now. Um, and Renfrew have been at that top end. They were together the team to miss out when Queen's Park were promoted to SWPL2 back at back, what was about 20,000 years ago now. <laughs> So, yeah, I think that will be a good move. And I think it will increase the competition below. And it will, I think it will help the, the levelling out as, as the game progresses. But, yeah, if you get an opportunity, go watch the SWF Championship. They, they certainly could do with the numbers coming up and, and giving them a wee cheer. But for now, that wraps things up. So thank you very much for listening. Campbell, um, thank you much as always for coming on and, and sharing your chat. <laughs> yeah, no worries at all, Chris. Um, as I said, um, Make sure you go and uh, if you can't get to the game in Hamden for Scotland against Faroe Islands, make sure you watch it on the on BBC Alba. Um, listen to our podcast with the Faroe's captain, Ausla Johansson, to get a little bit more about Faroe Island football. Uh, but until next time, stay safe and we'll speak again soon.